Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And Carl Reindler. Good evening and welcome to the pre-Vegas show. Vegas is not on this weekend, it's on next weekend. But by the time we have the show of Gridwalk go live, the race will have been run and won. So tonight, it's all about Vegas. If you want to join in the conversation tonight, one 736 736 or the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433-981116. I'm Cameron Vandendungen in studio this week, and Gridwalk is thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. The big question we'll be asking ourselves tonight is, can the event live up to the hype in Vegas? So F1 is returning to Las Vegas for the first time since the 1982 Caesars Palace Grand Prix. And this year, we have an all-new event. What's really interesting about this one in particular is it's the first time Formula One as a uh, management team, this is Formula One management, I should say, owned by Liberty Media, have not only uh, organised the event, not only brought the category and promoted the category, they've taken over the entire event themselves. This is a huge risk for the sport, which normally gets massive amounts of money from sanctioning fees of local promoters, like we see in um, all parts of the world through the Middle East, into Europe, Asia, even here in Australia, with the local promoter being the Australian Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix Corporation. Now, the interesting thing about this, as I said, is a big gamble. It's a big risk, but I'm pretty excited about this weekend. I'd love to hear if you would love Formula One to stay in Las Vegas, because there's been so much backlash from local fans on social media. But for those of us that are huge fans of the sport around the world, there's something very special and very interesting about a race in the city that never sleeps. The city is sin, as so many people talk about it. So we'll start to unpack what it looks like this weekend. But, geez, one thing you can expect is a wonderful show. Awesome for us here in Australia. We'll see qualifying at 7pm. We'll see the race at 5pm next Sunday night. And then you'll be able to tune into Gridwalk at 7pm uh, next weekend and we will be able to wrap up all the action. Really, it's... Two races to go in the year. Carl Reinler will be joining us soon. And tonight we also have a very special guest in Tommy Smith, a young Australian driver who, those of you who are big fans of Formula One, may have seen him when he was uh, on the grid here at Albert Park as part of the FIA Formula Three World Championship. Well, he's uh, finished up his season there. But next weekend, when we're talking about Las Vegas, Tommy will actually be competing in a very uh, historic race, the Macau Grand Prix. It's an event in Macau, which happens every year. Nearly every Formula One driver on the grid will have gone to that race during their Formula Three career. And it's a um, 
a race you want to want to uh, be part of and a race you want to win. So Tommy will be joining us on the show tonight and we'll be talking to him about uh, the build-up to that race next week and we'll also be talking to him about the year that was in Formula 3. So Tommy, have we got you on the line? No, we haven't got him on the line just yet. He'll be there with us very shortly. One thing I did want to have a look at, uh, though, as we build into the end of this year, is the standings. And Max Verstappen, as you heard off the top of the show in our intro, is the world champion for another year, 2021, 2022, 2023. But it's the battle behind him that's really getting interesting as we wind down the last two Grand Prix of the year. We've got Sergio Perez, who's holding on to second, and he's fought back after a disappointing Mexico event for him. But he's also fought back uh, to get some decent um, decent results there. And Carl Reinler joining me on the line now. Carlos, um, just been talking about Vegas. We'll come back to the championship in a minute. But um, what are your thoughts as we build up to what will be an exceptional race weekend in Las Vegas? You know what? I'm, I'm a little bit excited. I think it's going to be uh, a really good event. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it's very much about the entertainment. But... I actually think, given it's such a high-speed circuit, we're, we could see some really good racing there. Yeah, old mate, it should be fantastic. But um, I'm actually looking forward to that massive, massive pre-race show. It's almost like an opening ceremony of a Grand Prix. Uh, sorry, of a uh, of an Olympics. I think they've got half an hour of some of the world's best talent that are going to be uh, uh, going live. And and for those of us in Australia, we get to view it at about four o'clock in the afternoons when all of the uh, the pre-race activity starts off, and then five o'clock for the race. So we couldn't ask for anything better, could we? So we're not hearing from Carl at the moment either. We're going to go back and have a look at the championship results as it stands right now. So Carl's just, uh, he's having a little bit of difficulty dialing in at the moment, but that's okay. There's no stress there whatsoever. But I wanted to go back to that Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton situation right now. 258 points for Sergio Perez. Lewis Hamilton, 226. So interesting for those two drivers. There was a lot of speculation out in the media about Sergio Perez losing his seat to potentially Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, we even talked about Fernando Alonso on this show um, in terms of uh, taking over that drive. But the discussion was whether Sergio could hold on to second. We've got an SMS coming in from uh, from Jimmy here. Uh, will they be running ice studs on the tyres given the forecast? That's actually a really good point, Jimmy. Thank you for that. That's actually something that a lot of people aren't aware of. And I was talking to uh, a couple of us Aussie fans that are heading over there to be part of the, uh, the Grand Prix. They'll be racing after midnight and the temperatures are expected to be around 7 degrees Celsius in temperature. That is not what they are used to, particularly after some runs recently in Brazil, Mexico, even uh, Abu Dhabi, which is going to be the last race of the year. That's going to throw up some massive challenges for them at the moment. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. So thank you, Jimmy, for jumping in on the 40 Winks Temper text line. If you do want to have your say or have a chat to me about what you think of Las Vegas or even the championship thus far, one 736 or you can jump on the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433 16. Hey, um, I also, hey, we've got another one coming in here. The guy who waves the finish flag should dress like Elvis. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. I, I'm hopefully uh, they'll be running a bit of Viva Las Vegas when they're out there. Thank you for uh, the SMS. I, I'd love to have a chat to a few of you as well as what you think. I mean, there's a lot of hype around it. There's a, there's a lot of discussion about how Liberty Media has Americanized Formula One. I'm not against that. And we'll talk about that in track limits in just a minute. Um, but I'm really excited to see how it goes. And, and look, track limit starts to go a little bit to that. But before we do that, I think we've got uh, we've got some, some callers starting to come in as well. And we'll find out from them very shortly. But in the meantime, um, 
what we will do is let's do you know what let's get straight into track limits because I start to I start to really dial in on this one very shortly. Temper, a mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEN. Okay, that was a third stroke on track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? So track limits has, has actually sparked a few articles in uh, in recent weeks. So thank you to the crew at SEN um, for uh, for firing in a few articles onto the the various uh, social media platforms and even onto the website. We've talked a bit about um, tire life. We've talked a bit about sprint races, and both of those are becoming big parts of uh, the discussion. And we'll talk a bit more about them when we get to the stewards' room a little later on. But today I actually want to talk about something I've noticed popping up more and more in the media. And um, the concern I've got right now is that the sport needs to be mindful not to make a Red Bull Verstappen rule. And I, I genuinely believe there is a legitimate danger that this could occur next year or even into 2025 if we see Max Verstappen, Verstappen dominate to the same level as what he's done this year. It is a beautiful yet much maligned reality of Formula One that since the beginning of the sport, there have been eras of dominance. In modern times, we've seen Schumacher and Hamilton completely dominate the sport. And whilst we're finally cracking the US market to that unprecedented levels I was talking about just before going to Vegas, we've been to Miami earlier this year and the US Grand Prix in Austin, the sport is looking like it's starting to worry a bit about the lack of competition at the top, particularly this year. There's been a lot of column inches. Carl, are you as concerned as I am? Great to have you back at the moment. Concerned as I am that they may start to make Red Bull slash Verstappen rules in the next year or two, looking at 2026 being a completely change of focus for the sport. So... We are going to continue with Carl a little later on, but I'd love you to join in and have a conversation with me. Remember, you can join the 40 Winks Temper text line, 0433 98 11 16. You can text in and let me know your thoughts on this one, or you can also give us a call on 1300 736 736 to have a discussion about whether you believe that I'm right, that the sport's actually in danger of making some, uh, some I guess you'd say, contrived racing rules just to limit the impact and the dominance of Max Verstappen at the moment. Because if you do take Max Verstappen out, who is at the top of his game right now, and you look at the championship I started to talk about before, it has been a belter of a Formula One season, bar the individual brilliance of one young driver. So before we uh, go much further with that, I'm going to grab Mark, who's on the line from Sydney, I believe. Mark, uh, your thoughts so far? Vegas, also thoughts on track limits? Well, I think uh, with the track limits, you're right. They shouldn't um, put any limiting rules on Max just because he's at the top of his game at the moment. Because that would be like, to put it in Australian terms, in the AFL, for example, that would be like you know, cutting Collingwood down to one player team-wise. And it's like you'd just shoot yourself in the foot if you did that. So I think they should just leave things as they are. And, you know, if Max is doing well based on how good he is, well, so be it. Oh, mate, thanks for that. I I was going to say, yeah, now tell me about Vegas, mate. I know you're a a Formula One fan. It's great to have you uh, as a listener in on Gridwalk. What do you think about this weekend coming? Well, I think it's a good thing that Vegas is actually getting Formula One because it can only do more to put Vegas on the map, both sports-wise and reputation-wise, because 
I'm also a fan of uh, hockey, as in the on-ice version, and they've got a new hockey team in Vegas, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and they won the Stanley Cup, which is the big prize in the NHL in the 22-23 season. And they've they've also got the Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL who moved there from Oakland, and being a you know, having a soft spot for the Raiders, I wish they hadn't moved from Oakland, but it can only do a lot to boost Las Vegas's reputation even more in the sporting uh, sphere. And having the Formula One race there, well, that can only do more to both broaden the appeal of the sport and ensure its longevity. So I think Formula One being in Vegas is a great idea. Oh, Mark, you're a ripper. Thank you for jumping on the line and having a chat to us, mate. And it's a really, really good point in the National Hockey League. That was huge for Las Vegas. I know uh, quite a few people have been going there for many, many years for work over the journey, and it was massive for the town over there. So really good points there. Thank you very much, Mark. You're tuned in to Gridwalk. We're going to come back with so much more on the other side of this. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. You can also join us by calling 1300 736 736. And right now we've got Tommy Smith, one of our F3 young guns, who'll be heading off to Macau shortly on the line. Tommy, mate, I know you. it's very early where you are in the world and you're about to fly off to Macau in the coming days, but thank you for giving up your morning for Gridwalk. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Now, mate, I think we've got Carlos as well. Carlos, are you okay? Because Carlos is dialing in. He normally dials us from all over the world as well. He's not going to be in Las Vegas. Carlos, have we got you? No, he doesn't. We're going to stay with Tommy right now. But, Tommy, this is all about you anyway, mate, because as I I was saying to you as we just lined this one up, the last time I saw you, you were very happy um, with uh, appearing uh, in Melbourne on the grid at Albert Park as part of the FIA Formula 3 Championship, mate. Um, congratulations for a good year. I know you probably would have wanted some more points, but, um, but mate, it was how amazing was it to roll up at Albert Park and walk down Melbourne Walk? Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Um, I didn't really – we didn't know what the reception would be because, I mean, firstly, it was the first time they'd had F3 and F2 there, but – I mean, the fans really got around us Australians, so that was so cool. Um, yeah, you're right. I was a bit disappo- disappointed with my year, but, um, yeah, it was a big learning year and uh, all, all should help for next year. Yeah, well, let, let's um, let's talk about Macau first, all right? So Macau, for, for a lot of listeners on SEN um, that are probably just getting into Formula One and, and, and are learning a bit more about F2 and F3, Macau is a big part of the Formula 3 calendar and a very special race. Uh, when did you know you were going to be driving there and um, and how excited are you to turn up? Yeah, so I, I knew sort of at the end of this year. Um, I, I obviously knew it was always uh, could potentially happen and, uh, yeah, and it hasn't happened since 2019, since COVID. So it's the first time we're going back to China. And um, yeah, and then the team sort of came to us and said, look, if you want to do this, you know, and it's it's a pretty special event. I mean, you think about it, I think there's 24 F1 races, which are Grand Prix, and then there's, there's two outside of F1, which are Grand Prix, and there's one in New Zealand and one in Macau. So it is very special for us young guys to head over and, and give that a go. So how do you prepare 
for a race like Macau. The track is ridiculously tight, twisty. There's, you know, different ride heights to what you'd be used to uh, having to, to get over those, uh, some of the bumps out there and just to get around one of those hairpins, which is ridiculously tight. You almost may, need more lock on an F3. H- how do you prepare for a race like this? Yeah, well, it's crazy. So I've done probably five days. My team, Van Amersfoort, have a simulator. Um, yeah, so I've done five days. You know, the first day, I didn't ever know where I was going. It was just crazy. But now I feel pretty comfort- comfortable on the track. And, um, yeah, it makes – I mean, it makes Monaco look like a highway. Uh, it's so tight. And that hairpin, is it's got a permanent yellow flag out because it's just so tight you cannot pass. So they don't want us to even try. Um, but recently I've done two days just, just testing and I was actually in Wales um, in the track called Pembury and I uh, had Daniel Tickton in the other car um, and he, he's actually he's a really nice guy and he sort of helped me along. and um, So I've got, got some contacts as well and, and I know Richard Vashore who won it uh, in 2019 and uh, he jumped on our sim as well. And um, yeah, I mean, he only did, I think, half a day but I'm proud to say he couldn't beat my time but... Um, yeah, no, but there's so many people that I've spoken to and, um, yeah, which will help me get through. Um, g'day, Tommy, Carl here, mate. Sorry for the, uh, for Hi, the delay. I'm back, I'm back, which is great news. Uh, long time no speak, <laughs> mate. I, I missed the first part of the conversation, but uh, have you ever actually been, you haven't raced at Macau before, but have you been to that event before? Have you attended the Macau Grand Prix before? No, I haven't, but from what I've seen, it looks insane especially how many people go there and get around it and speaking to drivers who've done it they've all said it's probably their favorite race um it's, no but never been there you've been actually, there yeah I, I raced there in 2005 so ah, I'm, yes. I'm for you mate it is it is genuinely like the junior world championships of you know it, it is the single the, the one-off you know, you win that race and you're, uh, you know, you're going to go yeah. on to do incredible things, but it's, uh, it's so unforgiving. And, and we all know Bathurst here in Australia. I've been fortunate enough to race at Bathurst. Maybe you've done some laps around there, but with all due respect to Bathurst, uh, Macau and, and those that have raced at Macau will, will absolutely support me on this. It makes Bathurst look easy. It genuinely does. So, if you can, if you can make a work around that place, you're uh, you're doing incredibly well. So when when do you actually arrive to Macau, mate? So yeah, well, I haven't actually been to Bathurst, so uh, this is going to be crazy this track. But um, I go on uh, Monday, so uh, that's tomorrow for me, uh, and then we sort of get into it. Um, we've got practice, I think, on Thursday, Friday, um, and all the all the usual stuff. It's actually quite good for us F3 guys because we are the main event. Uh, when we were at the Formula One, they sort of treat us like we are the bottom category. You know, we got like 8 a.m. races. And so it's going to be good to get special treatment. And, and also to have more than one practice is quite rare for us. So I'm looking forward to that. So, Tony, Mate, I'm just you're in look- for a cracking... Oh, oh. Yeah, I was going to jump in, Carl, and say that I've been looking at the uh, the entry list and some of the names that are on there. This is—I know it won't be daunting to you because you're a, you're a uh, an up and coming young driver, and uh, the fact you've even yeah. mentioned you knocked over Rashore on the uh, the simulator is a great sign, mate. I know the confidence is there, which is always good. But I'm looking up and down the list. Mate, it's awesome. You've got Richard Vashore racing there, from what I understand, with Trident. You've uh, just see there was Hauger, Zane Maloney racing there as well, Isaac Hadjar. Um, This is going to be a ripper of a race. And Sophia Flesch is also your teammate. Yes, indeed. So there's so many F2 guys and 
Uh, it's, you know, it's just such a special race that people want to come back down and do it. I know Jack Dewan got offered uh, as well to do it, but it's just so close to Abu Dhabi. That's the week after. So, uh, yeah, but there's so many people want to do it. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy when I look at my name on that list. Um, but I'm really looking forward to giving it my, my all. So you arrive tomorrow. How does the week shape out for you? Like, what what does the week look like? Because when I arrived there in two thousand and five, this is a it's a cracking story. I'll keep it short and sweet. But they gave every single team F three team a mini moke to to learn the circuit. It's public wow. roads at this stage, which is it's absolute insanity to give you know twenty well, it's, Thirty odd drivers, uh, about fifteen teams, two cars per team. So fifteen mini mokes to young, you know, young upstart, you know, full of testosterone race car drivers. I mean, I can tell you how it ended. There were, there was, there was, there was bump drafting and everything going on. And I I do not endorse it, and I'm not proud of it. But uh, it's what happened. How do you do? You walk the track. Do you? You've done all the preparation you possibly can preceding the event you touch down tomorrow what does the week look like for you yeah so i get there pretty much get there tuesday and uh tuesday is really my only day off wednesday track walk uh and it's a track walk as you said when it's it's still a road so we're we're walking around and um but we're just it's the first time we get to have a look uh thursday's practice friday's practice uh and that and then the qualifying i think friday afternoon um, that's the time probably, sorry, there's actually two qualifying and they give that opportunity just in case you have an accident that you, your weekend's not ruined. So, uh, and then whatever your best time is from either of those sessions they take. Uh, and then you've got on Saturday, you've got the qualifying race. Uh, and that's just a short, a short race really. And wherever you finish, you start for the, for the Grand Prix on the Sunday. Um, yeah, so it, it pretty much, they give you as many opportunities um, to go well, really. So, um, but from what I've seen, as long as you just keep it clean, uh, you can actually go very well, even if you're really slow. I've seen people go well because so many people will do something or something will happen. So, yeah, um, I've also been given some advice is not to crash in the first practice. Just, <laughs> you know, whatever you do, just, just it's pretty much just a siding session and. Um, yeah, and just build your confidence because, you know, if you have an accident that early on, it's it's a tough long weekend. Hey, uh, Tommy, I want to talk a little bit about I the FIA pretty... Formula Formula 3 this year as well because it was a big it was a big year. Yes. I mean, as you said, it was a big learning curve for you. I mean, I remember interviewing you after your first race win in Australia at some random after COVID um, event at Sandown, I think it was. But, uh, mate, to see That's you... Right. Your name up in lights there, running around as part of that world. And I know you say you you were deemed like we, we nickname it track sweepers when we give an update about you guys <laughs> on uh, you know the F three and the F two because at the end of the day yes. you're you're the you're the forerunner or you know the the, the sideshow to the Formula One. But um, mate, yeah. how daunting was it when you rolled up at the first event of the year? We won't even talk about Melbourne. We'll put that to the side because that just would have been special regardless being in Australia. But how daunting was it that yeah. first weekend rolling up in in what is you know the first real step on the way to Formula One. Yeah, I, I pretended I wasn't nervous, but I definitely was. Um, especially so when I got there in Bahrain and in FP1, I was first out on track because I'd never, I'd never really been there. So, uh, and all the, all the um, good teams they waited. So 
they wanted someone like me to go out and pretty much clean the track for us. And, uh, and I was nervous cause I was the only one out on track, uh, and everyone was watching, but, uh, no, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I just, um, yeah, I try not to, uh, think i just try and think about what i'm doing and um yeah and as long as i'm learning every session and and moving forwards and then i'm happy with myself you had um two other aussies well one one who's racing under an aussie flag christian mansell who probably sounds a bit more british than uh than aussie and then you also had yes. young hugh, hugh barter that was also out there as well did it give you um a, did you get a little bit of an aussie contingent did you did you talk much with the other aussies that were there second part of the question jack doing in f2 oscar piastri and daniel ricardo well daniel ricardo wasn't in f1 at that stage but he was around around the mark did, did you did you get much interaction with the others both that you raced against and also in the other two categories uh, yes. Yeah, so, well, I know Christian and you very well. Um, I guess, you know, just coming from Australia, you automatically have that, that bond and in a similar position, I guess. Um, and I do know Jack doing probably the most out of everyone. Um, yeah, I, I've known him since go-karts and, uh, and my manager, he actually, he worked with him as well. And, um, yeah, so no, I've got a good bond with Jack and, uh, whenever I see him or I'm near him, I'll, I'll do some training with him or whatever. And uh, and the F1 drivers, they're quite they're quite hard to to reach. I've met Daniel a few times, but Oscar, I've never actually met. Um, yeah, they're just they're so hard. You know, without um, without passes, we can't get into the F1 paddock, um, which I understand because they don't want 30 drivers running around when they're trying to work. Um, but yeah, so I, it's it's quite hard to access those drivers, but. Um, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, one day I'll, I'll meet him and yeah, have a chat with him. Hey, I've, I've got a question for you because I, I ran into I ran into uh, several rounds over the course of the season and uh, with my responsibilities in the uh, in the med car, I yeah I have some f- favourite circuits that I went to throughout the season. You must have some favourite circuits as well. It's not just about the circuit to drive on, but the the kind of overall experience. So, what for you in this this season of F three? really stood out to you yeah well firstly melbourne was that uh, it's it was such a cool track to be honest as well with our cars um and that you know with the updates they've made you could actually pass around the back straight with the drs and all that so uh yeah it just worked really well with our cars um i also really liked um yeah i liked monza spa they were just fabulous any track with a with a long straight, uh, it gives us an opportunity to pass. Um, yeah. And also Monaco was special. It's just such a different event. And, um, especially like all these European drivers, I feel like they're really good on Silverstone or big open tracks. Um, but when they go there, it's a bit more instinct. So, uh, it gave me more of an opportunity to go better. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to so, go. I'm going to go slightly journo on you here, Tommy. I'm going to jump straight in because I know no. I only get you for a small window of time, and we've got a, a very much F1 loving uh, fraternity here on Gridwalk listeners. Um, what happened this year from the results? Because I know you just said off the top you, you wanted a bit more out of it. Was it just this as a learning year, and you're going to go around again next year? H- how was this year treated, and, and how do you think your performance was against your own expectations? Because that's essentially what you have to measure yourself against. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I'm so disappointed with the, the results. Like, you know, for sure. I just wanted to be a, a regular point scorer because if you can score points in your first season in, um, in F3, it's, it's a pretty, 
uh, big thing. Like even Jack Do and Logan Sargent and a few others, they never scored points in their first year. So unfortunately, I'm in the same boat as them for for next year. So, uh, but it's one of those things. It's we 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 also it is a lot about the car as well in F3, even though they're supposed to be all the same. Um, but we did struggle. Like I had my two teammates; they were both in their third year, and uh, and they struggled too. Um, so it it was yeah, it was tricky to be honest. Um, and we still we just never unlocked what. Well, yeah, there was always an issue with the car, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, we're working hard for next year to try and fix this. But, yeah, like my teammate Kyo came in, um, Kyo Collette, and he was supposed to pretty much came in to, to win the championship with us. And, um, and but yeah, I think he finished 12th or 13th. So, yeah, it, it was really difficult. Um, and, yeah, I had to come a little bit more technical as well and try and understand why is the car not doing what I want it to and, um yeah so it, it is a big part of it but uh, i think that affected me also you know i was learning as well so that made it difficult and um yeah but there was a few factors that that led towards this but yeah hopefully next year it'll be um much better so tommy you're uh you obviously got macau this weekend and i've got to say it's been so insightful hopefully everyone listening in has, has found it really insightful to hear some of the you know the, the planning and preparation that goes into these race weekends quite often as uh, as spectators and fans of the sport we turn up and we see the cars racing around and you don't realize what goes into it behind the scenes so get through macau hopefully unscathed and a lot of learnings and some good results this weekend but there's a then there's a couple of months off there's a solid three months off before uh well four months off before any sort of racing recommences what does the off season look like for you what sort of planning and preparation goes into the 2024 season uh pre-season testing when does that kind of kick off for you yeah well i was sort of talking about this the other day with my dad and it all sort of kicks off pretty soon. So we, we have pre-season testing in February, start of Feb in Bahrain. And then, yeah, so I, I sort of got to get over there mid-January. So um, it's not that big an off-season. So, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's funny. When I come home, all my mates, I have because I don't see them all year, and they go, oh, let's go get a drink. And, um, and I try not to because uh, it's, yeah, I'm trying to stay fit and, uh, it's almost like a, a chance to, yeah, to um, get ready for next year. So, uh, yeah, but I, for sure I spend some time off with my family and, uh, yeah, I might go to the last uh, V8 supercar round um, in Adelaide to have a look. Um, yeah, my uncle races and that. So, yeah, but that's pretty much it to be honest, just, just relaxing and getting ready for next year as best as I can. So last question for you, mate, before we let you go and we go to an ad break on Gridwalk. Next year, are you comfortable and confident this team is going to give you the car? Which team is it, confirming, and also that you're going to be racing for next year and are they going to give you the car you need? Yeah, um, I, I am confident, 100%. I know they're making some some changes internally. Uh, it is Van Amersfoort Racing, so it's actually the same team I raced with uh, yeah, uh, this year, so... That, which is good as well. So at least I know everyone and uh, yeah, but they're, they're going to make some changes and uh, yeah, which should, should put us in a good spot for next year. You are a ripper, Tommy Smith. Thank you very much. Also, thank you to Jeff Smith. That's how I got your number again, mate. Your dad, uh, he's, <laughs> he's a great guy. He Thanks, uh, always, 
he always seeks advice from me when he needs to know which is the best corporate facility around the world when he's going there. So great to big shout out to Jeff, your old man. Uh, lastly, is he going to be is he going to be in Macau? Uh, yes, he is actually. He's over there now, working or doing something. Sure, he is. He's um, sorting out which yeah. corporate facility he's going to. to. Tommy Smith, That's thank right. you very much, mate. We love you us to going around again in F three. We'll all be cheering you on, and we look forward to seeing you at Albert Park next year. Go well at Macau. We'll give the update to everybody on our show next week and the week after about how you go. With all our best wishes from Gridwalk, mate. Good luck. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, Tommy Smith, make sure you follow him. He's a ripper of a racer, and we're really excited to see how he goes. But right now, we need to take a well-overdue break. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-981116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. DRS is open. Now it's time for DRS. Drama, rumours, socials. Thanks to Sportsnet. Sportsnet holidays for money can't buy F1 experiences. DRS is riding itself this week, Carl, when we go off to Las Vegas. Um, we've got something called the Netflix Cup coming up. Are you are you across what the Netflix Cup is? Enlighten me, mate. Tell me about the yeah. Netflix Cup. See, I knew you wouldn't know about this. See, I am the one in the know. You're just the one that drives around in a car super fast and, and not for the next two rounds, I don't think. So you've, your next year starts legitimately next year. Um, so on Netflix, we all know F1, Drive to Survive. Some of us, namely me, worked on season one. Uh, others, you, I don't think you've even been in a shot yet, have you? Maybe one or two, putting the car on two wheels maybe? Oh, man, really I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to say that you've, uh, I think you featured in the background somewhere, but yeah, go on. What are you talking about? I got a, my name's on the uh, on the credits of the the pilot, <laughs> and then I made the cutting room floor after that. Um, no, the Netflix Cup. Uh, the two probably best sporting docos are the one about golf. I think it's called Full Swing, and then uh, Drive to Survive. And so what they're doing in Vegas is they're actually having an event where they're pairing up Formula One drivers and professional golfers, and they're competing on the fourteenth, so on Tuesday at Wynn Golf Club in Las gotcha. Vegas. And it's going to actually yeah. be broadcast on Netflix. How cool is that? I mean, I actually think it's a good idea. I'm I'm not really a golf guy. I uh, I'm no, I know I've seen you swing, mate. And, uh, yeah, exactly. But I think it's a great idea. So who's who's actually playing? Oh, mate, you're putting me on the spot. I'm going to have to go and grab all my uh, my shots on that. I know Lando Norris is one I mean, of the drivers that's in it as well. But um, I was going to say, I, surely Lando. Lando loves his golf. Carlos loves his golf. Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, who else does? No, mate, there's a lot of them actually do. It's almost like uh, we used to see cycling was the thing. Now golf is the thing for Formula One drivers. But we'll keep moving down DRS, drama, rumours, socials. Hey, um, I actually, this is probably more around the drama. We talked about tyre deg being a huge thing and Pirelli. Uh, I didn't say it was Pirelli's fault, but there was some people out in the other, in other media that did saying that maybe they should make different um, tyre compounds. We actually backed Pirelli in. But they've come out, Pirelli themselves, and have said that they think – a better choice of circuit will deliver better sprint racing rather than the tyre compounds. What are your thoughts, Carl? That's an interesting one from Pirelli. Um, I, I I think there's lots of factors that contribute to good racing, the circuit being one of them. We saw pretty good racing over uh, Brazil last weekend, but I don't think you'd pin it exclusively on that. But at the same time, you know, Pirelli's also come out saying they're exploring alternative, uh, you know, tyre solutions moving forward with better or worse degradation, kind of in line with the conversation we had last weekend, Cam. 
Yeah, well, it looks like we're uh, very much uh, ahead of the curve, aren't we? We talked about sprint races, they're now looking into that. We talked about tyre deg, they're now looking into that. Or maybe we're just following the story that's been unfolding throughout this year. Um, the last one on DRS I wanted to bring up, it's going to break the hearts potentially of some of our fans out there on Gridwalk, particularly the Aussies. Um, we heard previously Christian Horner had made a statement that the intent was to go forward with um, with Checo next year. Well, he's gone back and clarified it. It was run in an article on SEN's website earlier today. It's pretty much come off an interview to motorsport.com, though, making sure I credit the right publications there, um, and said, no, Checo, barring injury, basically, will be racing for us next year in 2024. Now, all the headlines on Fox, everywhere else is going, um, breaks the heart of Daniel Ricciardo. But when you look at the results, I think it's, what, 21 points a swing between Checo and Lewis. Checo's won two races this year. Only one other team has won a race, and that was Science at um, Singapore. Checo's been on the podium a lot, and bar for a bad run, probably after the summer break, he, he pretty much, by the numbers, has actually done a good enough job to give them um, the 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 constructors and, and most likely a one, two in the championship for the first time. Yeah. Look under pressure. He's actually done a really good job. I think at the tail end of the season, you know, he had the accident at, uh, Oh gosh, was it Texas? The first corner, I think it was, um, or was that Mexico? That was Mexico. Sorry. He had the accident at the first corner, but, but he's been performing quite well. Under pressure, and I think that continuity is going to be important moving forward. Yes, you can say it's sad for Daniel because everyone hopes up that he's going to end up in a race-winning car. But at the same time, you, you saw the pace from Daniel last week in the Brazilian race. It was obviously unfortunate what happened with the red flag at the start of the race. He effectively started the race one lap behind everyone else. But his pace was sort of, I think he was the seventh or eighth fastest on yeah. track over the, the distance of the race, which is incredible from where Alpha Tauri have been previously in the season. So I going back right back to the first episode when I spoke about Daniel providing engineering direction. I actually think that leadership skill um, that he possesses is, is already making a difference down there at, uh, at Alpha Tauri. And hopefully that can translate to better results into 24. Yeah, well, remember, if you want to join in the conversation, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. you can call in or you can dial or you can text us on the 40 Wings Temper text line 0433 DRS, it's been a quick, a short, sweet one. There'll be a big DRS next week, no doubt, with all the socials going berserk in Las Vegas. And we'll be bringing the show straight after that race. But a very, very special thanks to Sportsnet Holidays for Money Can't Buy F1 Experiences. You can access Sportsnet's exclusive travel packages to every thrilling race of the F1 season at sportsnetholidays.com forward slash gridwalk. And as we heard from our mate Will Barnes from Sportsnet Holidays last week, tickets are still available, although going very, very fast to the Australian Grand Prix next year, which should be an absolute belter with F2 and F3 back on the uh, on the agenda, back on the menu for that race. So jump on to Sportsnet Holidays. And in the meantime, we're going to take a break on Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. On Gridwalk, it's the stewards' room. Thanks to Morris, bringing our personal approach to personal finance. A little bit going on in the world of the FIA, the governing body of world motorsport. Carl, I've already, uh, it looks like I've been reading motorsport.com, but I am giving them this reference because this popped up on their uh, site uh, about a, in the last week. 
So the FIA has allegedly appointed, I haven't seen anything formal from the FIA yet, but I'll let you know as soon as I do, has appointed an F1 commissioner to help with its strategies and improvements in Grand Prix racing. As I said, that comes straight from motorsport.com. Now, they've named uh, a former F1 journalist, Dieter Renkin, who's been advising uh, the FIA president, Mohammed Ben Salih, Salam Yem, I can never say that name properly, um, for several months. Interesting, though, uh, John Todd had talked about doing it back in 2009. There were several reasons why that was abandoned. But as we build up to the Concord Agreement being negotiated for 2026, now the Concord Agreement is a set of rules of the agreement between um, the sports uh, organiser, so the, the actual sporting body, the sports governing body, that's the FIA, the sports promoting body, which is owned by Liberty Media, which is Formula One management, and the currently 10 teams. It's a critical document. That's being negotiated now going into 2026. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple of years, Carlos. Um, I'm not going to ask you for any comment because you're an FIA employee, so therefore no point commenting from you. What I will talk to you about, though, that Haas requested a review into the track limits issue at the US Grand Prix, which was hoping to get... Um, uh, Nico Huckenberg, some points, I think it was. Um, now, that was thrown out by the FIA due to the fact, and that was under the ruling of there not being any significant or relevant new um, uh, footage or imagery or evidence um, after the original findings. Stewards, and you talked about this, noted in their res in their response that they didn't feel that, they, um, that track limits had the adequate technology to be able to enforce it properly. So interesting to see how that will play out. Nothing will be done this year, but maybe for 2024. Yeah, I've no doubt that they're exploring some uh, some alternative or different technologies to to monitor it better. We all agree that that it, there's a better solution out there than what we've uh, what we've got currently. It's a huge um, burden on on the human resources to to monitor it over the course of a weekend. But I think the key thing I, I appreciate what Haas were trying to do. Um, as you said, Hulkenberg finished in eleventh, so to get a couple of points means so much to them. So they're going to throw the kitchen sink at it, but. Um, the, the, diff the thing is with track limits, it has to be a lasting advantage. And I think that's the point that the stewards made that, yes, they might have gone wide at the exit of a corner, but it was not a lasting advantage. So I think that's why it was dismissed for the, for the most part. All right. Now we start to build up to Las Vegas. Next weekend, Las Vegas, it'll be on 7 p.m. Saturday night. You'll be able to watch qualifying on Fox Sports here in Australia. Uh, and if you're in New Zealand, whatever your local carrier of Formula One will be, um, we'll see the race at 5 p.m. You and I will be in studio. We will, won't we, Carl? Say yes, we will be in studio, won't we, Carl? We'll we will be in studio. I'm looking forward to, mate, to have made. We'll it's been a long time since we've watched the Grand Prix together. It'll be great. We'll I have it on I in the studio there, here. You know, yeah. Oh, mate. I'd Tell me about it. Be over there. Although they're they're expecting uh, seven, seven, or six or seven degrees temperature for uh, for the race itself. So a huge challenge for the teams. It's the it will literally be the coldest Grand Prix of the season. Yeah, and that will bring its own challenges as well. Things to look out for. Sergio Perez seems to have it okay that he'll hold down second in the championship. But look at the battle. Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris, and then Carlos Sainz in there. One not well, It's really, yeah, those three. So Fernando Alonso, 198. Lando Norris, 195. Carlos Sainz, 192. All battling it out for fourth spot. That one is alive. That is going to be a cracking end of the season. I'm I'm excited. I I'd really love to see Fernando get a get a great result with Aston Martin. Uh, I think they'll be really fast at, at Vegas as well, being the the really high speed circuit that it is. Um, 
But yeah, the, the tire wear, the degradation, no one knows how the tires are going to behave and perform at, you know, six or seven degrees temperature. So it could see a lot of mistakes, unforced errors, um, you know, cars in walls, you know, we don't want it, but uh, it's potentially a higher likely, high likelihood for that to happen at the Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, Carlos, I cannot wait for Las Vegas. The other one to watch out for, the battle between Mercedes and Ferrari. Only 20 points in the constructors. That's over second uh, in the championship. That'll be interesting to see in Las Vegas. Two races to go, two shows to go for Gridwalk. You've been tuned in to Gridwalk. Thanks for joining us, guys. When you hear us next, we'll be wrapping up what will be an incredible Las Vegas Grand Prix and then the week after with Abu Dhabi. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.